0: Blackwater, the Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, the Flying Tigers, the Swiss Guard, the White Company, the Knights Templar, the Varangian Guard, Clercus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, guns for hire, soldiers of fortune, private military companies, Private security contractors. Dirty deeds done not so dirt cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time. And they are very likely not going away anytime soon. And like it or not, wars are good. Very good for business. Furthermore, history tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means as greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny than by any other means. So choose the red pill, remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone. And welcome to another episode of OCONUS, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or, as some call it, an austere or a non-permissive environment. Well, it is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good, and some not so good. All in all, though, private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. The MENA region, or the Middle East North Africa region. Lands of enchantment. Lands of mystery. Lands of the old ones and the ancient ones. Myths legends, folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the Mena region. That's right, the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. Alright folks, that said, welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. This is the second episode in Season 4. I believe we left off in the previous episode, Uh, we were talking about basically somewhere between Weeks 3 and 4, I think we were in Week 4 or headed into it, Uh, and uh, what I mean by Week 4 is uh, for those of you who've been following and those who maybe haven't been uh, This is uh, week four of the WPS instruction training spin-up program for the uh, State Department Uh, prior to me um, heading downrange. And uh, again, without giving away too much detail, it was in the more or less southwestern region of New Mexico, the state of. So things are heating up now. Uh, The the pace is faster than it's been. Uh, We're doing more things Um, Both individually and collectively And, you know, I talked about the modules So we've got just like a never-ending daily routine of modules Uh, Some of it's repeat, some of it's recap, uh, refresher stuff And then um, as time goes on more and more It's putting it all together um, collectively Everything that we've been shown, taught instructed and trained on to put it together in one big cohesive form so now we're you know we're week four we're still doing uh, we're do- so now we're doing primary i mean our focus at this point now as i recollect was uh on on the uh, hardball for automobiles for for the driving portion of it and for that we went to arizona i don't recollect the exact town that we were in but um Uh, Yeah, I guess I'll have to look it up (laughs) Because I'm sure there's some people that want to know But maybe I shouldn't say So anyway, we went to Arizona Uh, We spent about a week there Uh, We stayed in a hotel at this point uh, which hotel i guess it really doesn't matter it was a very small town i was surprised they had a burger joint in fact they had burger king i was so delighted because i'm looking around going what the hell are we gonna eat here <laughs> anyway but uh it was a very small town anyway and it was about uh, i want to say 30 to 45 minute drive uh to where we went for the instruction training program for for the hardball portion of this driving it was um, kind of like uh, it was like a part of it was an airport, an old airport, not abandoned, but for lack of a better term, you could say that. Uh, so it was an airport, and then there was like a road track, like uh, something akin to a GT type racetrack uh, that, was, that and, and it kind of one end branched off from one end of the runway and then it made its way around to the other end of the runway and i mean it involved everything uh, i believe the first day that we were out there we did what uh it was basically a, it was a circle donut track if you will and it was the uh wet track and uh so it was an introduction to how how vehicles react and respond uh to your inputs and realizing that it doesn't take a whole lot of input especially at speed um, and that when you're doing your driving, and of course we we learned more of this as we're come as we did other stuff, and I'll get into it. but the some of the things that we realized and, and it and it's true and it applies uh, even in daily driving, just going to work back, whatever you're doing, um, so you want to set up for the turn for the curve. So you're looking out in front of you as far as you can um, if you're the driver. if you're not the driver, the people and the, the rest of the people in the car, the van the 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 SUV. I mean, we, we did it all. Uh, it just depends, you know. So, those guys are, you know, they're part of the protective element. So is the driver, but he, he, he's focused on driving. And his or her primary focus is what's in that windshield in front of him or her. Um, and of course, the old adage is that, you know, the more people, the less responsibility. The fewer people, the more responsibility. And what I mean by that, for those that, that don't know, is that if you got only one or two, maybe three people, you have a lot more responsibility. There's more of that sector and that 360 that you've got to cover um, and have your eyes and ears on. Um, so if you've got, let's say, six, seven, eight, 10, 12 people, okay, um, you can slice that 360 into a much smaller pie. So that's what we mean by, I mean, what we mean by areas of responsibility so less responsibility more responsibility that's what we're referring to because obviously we're all responsible not only for our safety and protection but also the client and or the people that are in that motorcade or whoever it is that we're charged with protecting so we're there we're at the airport and that's the first thing we're at so we're at the donut track and we're we're finding that much of your driving is finesse okay so you got to understand how the vehicles work and they take you through this process and it is quite a process and these guys were all pro pro pro-am type drivers um you know they had similar but varied experiences in that in in the racing portion but so you you, are learning how to set yourself up for the turn each turn that's coming before you next after um and 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 being shown and taught how to set up for each of those turns, especially if it's a chain or a circuit of turns, uh, because that that does to some extent d- d- uh, depend on you know how you're going to um, enter into a turn and and how you're going to come out of it in terms of braking, accelerating, one thing another. Uh, the other thing was left foot, right foot. Now they gave you the preference. Some guys reacted better to the right foot controlling both the throttle and you know the accelerator the accelerator pedal and the brake pedal others preferred left foot on the brake pedal right foot on the accelerator pedal i know for me that was a whole lot easier better now if we and we did but it was mostly the off-road stuff if you're driving a manual transmission you're going to have to that right foot's going to have to be on the brake and the throttle pedal at the same time and you're going to have to work your foot back and forth, and you're shown how to do that. While the left foot works the clutch if it has to, um, and usually it only has to if you're coming to a halt or uh, uh, almost a halt. Or if you're in certain off-road uh, situations, there are times you have to engage that clutch. Uh, but for the most part, you're doing clutchless uh, gear shifting in a manual transmissions. But for the most part, on the hardball, as I recollect, it was all automatic transmissions uh regardless of the vehicle we were driving so we start out the first day and <laughs> you know some guys had the misfortune of eating too much food before we went there uh you can kind of imagine what happened um uh, but uh I tell you what that that back end um it, when you're going when you're high speeding through this stuff especially making hard turns like that um it doesn't seem like it if you're sitting in the vehicle it doesn't seem like there would be much of a difference um in turns in terms of the effect that you feel if you're in the front seats or you're in the rear seats, especially if we're talking like a sedan, just a, a nat- an a- everyday average sedan. Like say a Chevy Impala, for example. Uh but it does, especially if you're especially if that rear end is kicking out and you're doing a power slide or a power turn. It makes a huge difference. Uh, anyway so those are the things uh you know we went on um uh doing the whole course you know we'd start out typically uh the as depending on the evolutions and what we were doing in the module uh but we normally showed at one end of that airport uh that runway and would take off and make max speed and not all cars uh even though they were pretty much the same make and model um they may have been the same model year but probably not um but they were the police interceptor type vehicles That that you used to see prior to them going to the newer vehicles that you see these days. Um, And so, you know, we'd get up 100, 110, 120. Some of them get 130 before we had to do uh, threshold braking and make our hard turn and continue on through the track, through that circuit in all different kinds of directions and turns, finally coming around to the other end of the runway and starting it all over again. Uh, did we do reverse i think we did a couple times Um, but this this evolved into other things Um, and there were uh, parts of the track that had cutoffs if you will an off-ramp if you will that came back on Um, i'm not sure what they call it in sport racing but uh, they were calling an alternate portion of the route or an alternate track route so we did a lot of that stuff Uh, We did a lot of reverse driving at high speed, uh, a lot of J-turns, Y-turns. We practiced pit maneuvers. Uh, We practiced, uh, I forget the exact term, but smashing into the vehicle at the proper locations, depending on the vehicle it was, but it was always the same general area to get it out of the way, especially if you were blocked in. Say, You've probably seen it usually in movies where they back up two vehicles to each other whether they're at, they're at an angle or not, there is a certain approach and a certain contact point um, that you want to make that will help you bust through that, that vehicle barricade and continue driving. So we did all that stuff. Um, we finally got, when we when the instructors and the trainers and everybody felt that we had it down, then we went on to the SUV, uh, doing the same thing, but with SUVs now, uh, with people in it. Um, we always drove with people in it. There was always basically full capacity in the vehicles uh, every time anytime we were doing that and when we weren't driving while we were there uh for the most part uh we would take a lunch break roughly around the noon hour and it usually involved us uh i forget exactly where it was located but a nice little hangout area with a really nice covered kitchen area with a uh, not a lanai, but but an area where we could assemble that was under shade, and we would d- eat barbecue stuff, uh, burgers, hot dogs, you know, guy kind of food at a bar- barbecue with a nice, slightly elevated look over where we were driving. Uh, so it was kind of cool. So that's where when we ate, that's usually where we ate uh, for lunch, um and then dinner was on us. So we'd go back to our room at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, I'd drive back and uh did that for a week and then come back uh when we when we wrapped that up and started the off-road portion and that whole portion involved other stuff but it was roughly two weeks and then the last week was was primarily uh, part of the ERT stuff um and we were coming so we finished that up like I said we're there about a week in that portion of Arizona we drive back to where we were in new mexico and now we're starting the off-road stuff we're still doing plenty of other module training and what is that well we're still doing some finesse wrap-up stuff as i recollect with the with the um, uh, firearm stuff Uh, we're still doing more uh, motorcade drills both uh, mounted dismounted um, combination of um, and then more off-road stuff and that stuff was pretty intense it was a lot of fun i mean a lot of fun um so both on the hardball and on the softball or you know on the asphalt and in the dirt grass scrub whatever you want to call it uh yeah there were some um accidents i guess (laughs) but you know they they were wrecks um we had one on the hardball um there were some minor physical injuries Nothing nothing major Nobody had to go to the hospital uh, But off-road Yeah, we had some rollovers and stuff uh, Fortunately, I was not involved I was in the vehicle On the hardball During one of those collisions um, Was it avoidable? Yeah, it was absolutely avoidable Some of us saw it coming I won't go into it But, uh, you know, stuff happens So when you get too tense When you're too narrowly focused When you're not really paying attention You're not calm and cool um, things tend to go south. Um, anybody that's been there knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so we get off road. We're doing the off road stuff for a variety of reasons. You know, we had some rollovers, um, and we're you know we're we're driving it in different locations, doing different things, uh, learning how to get going from a dead stop in a soft, muddy, almost marshy environment, um, as well as driving over and across obstacles and how to overcome those properly keep your momentum going not lose your traction um, and being able to get going and stay going and then doing all the evasive stuff that you have to do for driving um, if you're being chased or shot at Uh, so that kind of filled the final two to three weeks when we got back from Arizona the last week was the ERT stuff um and and I think it also we that was also the time that we were doing the uh you know, the hand hand stuff the self defense whatever you want to call it um as I recollect that module was a week um even though there was a I think it was a couple days or a few days where it was kind of a volunteer thing as I recollect the instructor said hey if you guys want to come in on the weekend uh you know because we did have some quote unquote time at that time. Uh, go in and you know learn some more stuff that we didn't learn. Uh, kind of a you know kind of a personal mentor kind of thing. You know some guys did, some guys didn't. Uh, so we were doing that. We were kind of finished everything up. We were in the ERT portion of the ERT for. So like I said before, so the the three primary curriculum with the dozens and dozens of modules. Uh, the three primary are the uh, PSS. Or the protective security specialist the driving or the vehicle physics or uh, vi- i think it was actually called vehicle dynamics something like that and then the ert which is the emergency response team so as i've said before so whether state department defense department anybody else if you've got an ert some people call it srt um and, and there's other acronyms here too but ert is basically what it was emergency response team um so those are the things we're going through finishing that stuff up um so it involved a lot of things uh really just a lot of really cool things that uh you know we had um, (laughs) we we had a number of combined drills i i I guess it's Finex, or you know they weren't exactly final exams but they were uh we had several somewhere between three and five of those i think it was probably five where we were putting it all together and at one point we did a eventually have a final exam and that put everything together that was like a two or three day synopsis kind of thing and um you know one of them i mean we also went through a very short brief condensed version of sear it wasn't like um like a you know a green beret sear or a navy seal sear we weren't there for two or three or four weeks Uh, as i recollect that was probably three to five days but it was, it was interesting. It was kind of cool. We learned a lot of good stuff. And, um, you know, the instructors and the trainers, you know, they didn't have any qualms about pointing out when we didn't do it right or we weren't thinking properly. Um, you know, and sometimes you have that group think go on, and sometimes you just don't want to raise your hand because it's like, no, guys, that's not going to work, but whatever. Okay, it, it's not the real thing, so we don't got to worry. Nobody's going to get really hurt, but we got chastised. But you learned your lesson. And you figured out. So we had a lot of good um, final exam kind of stuff where we put everything together that we'd been taught for the previous six weeks or so. Uh, so like I said, so it, was, uh, it was roughly seven weeks is what it's supposed to be. It was a little bit more than that with admin run-up prior to all this stuff. And then, uh, uh, I don't know, probably a day, um, maybe two at the most at the end. We weren't there very long. So when it was all done, it was pretty much zip 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 get out um and we all drove back to the airport um and flew out and went to our respective homes from there uh but that was pretty much um the previous episodes um that i've talked about this in this uh in in the run-up to getting this then there was also we had to do the prep for our security clearance for the state department and uh from what i've heard and read from guys is that it's a lot quicker now that the the time is a lot shorter but back then i mean you could expect six to twelve months the average was roughly six months to get your clearance um i got lucky um without going into great detail the guy showed up at my place we had to sit down and we we went over stuff um offered him coffee um i want to say that from the time that we graduated until the time I got home and this guy came in, it was probably two months before I got my clearance. Uh, and so I've gone through this before, but I, like I said before, there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't sitting right with me. Not from the instructors, not from the trainers, not from the school itself, not from all that stuff, but mostly from the company and contractual stuff. Um, you know, if you keep your ear to the ground, you're going to hear things. Um, And if you're really paying attention, you're going to see things and and you know something's not right So anyway, there was a lot of things that weren't sitting right with me I just had a bad feeling Um, They changed the contract terms on us Um, But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and put a wrap on it for this episode uh, Finish that up in the next episode And then start transitioning into where I went next And who I worked for and what I was doing uh, When I actually did deploy downrange to Afghanistan for the second time Um, So with that said, folks, I want to thank you and thank everyone, really, uh, for taking time out of your day, afternoon or evening to listen to me talk about private security contracting overseas, uh, as well as some of my experiences as a private security contractor, both overseas and here in the States. So OCONUS, CONUS, and again, for those that don't know, OCONUS is outside the continental U.S. and CONUS is continental U.S., Thank you to my wife, for whom I owe immeasurable gratitude. Thank you to my family, my friends, and all the people, male and female, who have been and still are a part of my life. And remember, folks, it takes a team. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Stay humble, stay safe, and keep others safe by being aware and staying frosty. And until next time, keep it real. Oconus The Contractor's Life extends a special thank you to music composer Kaba Cohen and to Colin Perry of Ninja Tracks for allowing Oconus The Contractor's Life the use of Kaba's song, Heavy Clutch, from the music soundtrack to the game Forza Motorsport 7. And also a big thank you to Andres Rodriguez who can be found at the Fiverr website for his excellent original music scores.